0: To have one of these. So, our servant team is in the process of really praying and seeking God about what's next for our church. And as we move forward, you know, our church is 20 years old. Just uh, last month, turned 20. And so, it's just God has our leadership team in this season of praying and seeking Him for what's next, where we're going next. Not that what we're doing is bad at all. You understand? It's just it's important to pull back once in a while, seek God, and make sure we're heading in the right direction, right? And so as part of that, one of the things that we're really um, endeavoring to do better is to create a, a net, if you will, to help people become better connected into what God's doing here at New River Church. And so our plan is that as we move forward that People that would come, we would have these, we would teach these four classes called basics basics one, two, three, and four. And we would repeat them every quarter as a class during the church service so that anybody who's new can kind of go through those and hopefully get connected a little bit and some friends and figure out more of what we're doing. You know, I mean, I've, like, I started this church, right? So we've started in my living room. So obviously, Like there's things that, uh, you know, I just assume because I've been here forever. But somebody who's brand new doesn't necessarily assume those. And we we need to work at helping new folks fall in love with what God's doing here too. So that's the point of these basics classes. So since they're brand new, our elders said, hey, why don't you teach them on Sunday mornings to everybody? So everybody gets it. But moving forward, these are going to be taught as four separate classes that will take place during church in one of our side rooms here. And, and actually, I would say this, if you are new to New River, um, I would encourage you to take the class again in another six, seven weeks when it comes back around as a class because one of our purposes for these classes is to help you connect and honestly, this is not a great connection setting, right? Um, our service here on Sunday mornings is wonderful. It meets certainly some great needs, but one of the needs that really doesn't do so well is give you the opportunity to connect in relationship. So if you're new, please plan on taking the class again, and I think it's good material. It never hurts to take it a few times, so... This morning, we're going, to, we're going to look at basics to how New River encourages people. We really believe this, that there's four pillars we've got. We enjoy Jesus, we encourage people, we equip leaders, and then we engage culture. And we really believe if we can do those four things really well, that we could actually make disciples. We could actually accomplish what Jesus is telling us to do, which is to make disciples of him. So, last time, Basics 1, we talked about enjoying Jesus and what that means. This morning, I want to cover how we encourage people. So, go to page 3 in your notes there, and uh, just look at what's important to New River Church. So, you've got enjoy Jesus, see the blanks. Some of you blank, I know, I, I got good feedback last time. You're like, oh, I liked the blanks. So, we have blank people that like to fill in the blanks. So, for you blank people... You're going to love this today. Get your pencils out. first one is enjoy Jesus. How do we do that? Well, we have our public celebrations here on Sunday mornings. We, we have our life groups that gather. We, uh, we intentionally are in discipling relationships. I mean, we encourage, you know, we really believe Jesus is someone to be enjoyed. He's not a religious figure that we just uh, adhere to, but he's actually a person living, breathing wonderful person that you and I get to enjoy. And so it's one of our desires that every person just that you understand, you know Jesus as your best friend, that he's actually someone you like, you know? So that's the first one. Second is encouraging people through teaching and prophetic ministry and equipping and fellowship, hanging out, being stepping stones for each other. The third one is we equip leaders. And, and the fourth is engage culture. And the main Bible verse for today is Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. It says this, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today. Today. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Do you, do you see that you get the sense in this verse that this is imperative, that it's important, that we don't really have an option? I mean, he says, See to it. You, you make sure that you get this done, church. You make sure that none of you has an unbelieving heart that turns away to sin's deceitfulness. You make sure that you're encouraging each other daily. Get this done because. Man, life can suck the life right out of you, can't it? So, so if, if anything, our job in one another's lives is to keep each other beefed up and encouraged and strengthened so that we can, can stay strong and keep going, right? So how do we do that as a church? How do we encourage people? There's four things you need in order to be, encur- to be built up. Four things. You need God's word, you need God's spirit, you need God's people, and you need a God-sized vision. Does that make sense? If you have those four things, you're certainly on your way to growing in your relationship with Jesus. God's word, God's spirit, God's people, and then you need a God-sized vision. You need to see what God sees in your life. You following it? So how do we encourage people with God's word? That's the first one. People get encouraged with God's word. Can I just, honestly as a church, we believe in the absolute authority of God's written word. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, All scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, correcting, training, and righteousness so that the man of God, the woman of God, will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is God's Word, and it's inspired, and it's good, and he likes it. God's not like, you know, he's happy with what he's got here. You know what I mean? He's not, not, not going to edit it. There's no version 2.0. God's not going to come out with it. It's, it's complete. And so we happen to believe in the absolute authority of God's Word. And you've heard me say this before as a pastor. If I preach something that is not from this book, then I encourage you, I implore you to challenge me on it, to take me to task on it. This is our foundation as a church body. We, we adhere to God's word. Along with that, the Bible's not open to interpretation. You know, sometimes we sit around and we go, well, what do you think it says? Well, what do you think it says? I don't know, what do you think it says? The truth is, it's not what you think it says. The question is, what does it say? follow? I mean, it's it's a nice conversation. Well, what do you think? But honestly, when it comes down to it, I mean, I love you, but I don't really want to know what you have to say about it. I want to know what God says. Does that make sense? And so we want to do the best we can to get to God's, what God's saying, don't we? So that's what I mean. It's not open to interpretation. Um, a lot of groups. I mean, we live, in a, we live in a pretty squirrely culture, don't we? We live in a pretty squirrely culture that is doing its best to redefine what God says, doesn't it? I'm not going to go there, friends. We start doing that, it's a slippery slope. So we adhere to this. We believe God's word is powerful and effective and it's able to transform a person's life. I mean, it actually, man, this, this thing's dangerous. This will rock your world right here if you take it seriously, it's dangerous. I love what Hebrews 4 says. The word of God is living and active. It's dangerous in a good way. Let me qualify that. I think you understand what I'm saying. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. We believe God's word is powerful and effective. It's what you and I need to be changed. And then the last part is we do believe God's word is encouraging. It is an encouraging word. For everything that was written, Romans fifteen four says, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. I mean, I've been, have you ever been down before and, you know, you're just bumming, you know, and then you come across a Bible verse and it just seems to say exactly what your soul needs in that moment, right? God's word is encouraging and it's so much better than a Hallmark card, right, I mean, I read some Hallmark cards sometimes, I think, oh, that's cute, that's funny, but it doesn't really, it's not a Hallmark card. This is the word from the eternal God of the universe, who knows you better than anybody else, knows you better than you know yourself, and he has a way to speak into the depths of your soul and encourage you there, unlike anyone else, right? So God's word is the first thing we need to be encouraged and to grow, Second, people get encouraged through God's Spirit. So we get God's Word, God's Spirit, and all of His gifts. We happen to believe, at this church, we believe that the spiritual gifts are for building up people, and that all of the spiritual gifts are for building up people. Spiritual gift of hospitality, spiritual gift of helps, spiritual gift of service, leadership, teaching, administration, spiritual gift of tongues, spiritual gift of prophecy, Miracles, healing, all are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. All of them are effective and useful today. And actually, God's Spirit uses them to build up His people. First Corinthians twelve seven says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. God has also given His Spirit to His people so that we can be all that He made us to be. Do you know that... The Holy Spirit is the primary means that God has in your life in order to help you to grow like he's working hard. The Holy Spirit is working hard every day of your life to help form you into the image of Jesus. It says in Ezekiel 36, 27, God says, I will put my spirit in you, and, and he will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Like God says, I'm actually going to do this. I'm going to change you from the inside out. And we're going to start by giving you my Holy Spirit. We also value the ministry of prophecy as a means of encouraging people. And we highlight this especially because Scripture does, quite honestly. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, practically an entire chapter on the ministry of prophecy. And 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3 it says, anyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. You know, there's an awful lot of goofy things out there, or goofy ideas about what prophecy is. Can we just agree that we're going to stick to 1 Corinthians 14.3? That prophecy has a purpose. To strengthen, encourage, and comfort God's people. Right? And so we admire, we, we not admire, we, uh, we appreciate the gift of prophecy in this church body. Um, I can tell you, I have several prophetic words that have been shared with me over the years, and I have them written, and they're in my, my study Bible, not this one, but the one I use every day and study and read. I have them tucked away in the back, and there's times I will pull those out sometimes. Just read, just read them. Be reminded, be refreshed, be encouraged again at what at what God has been speaking to me over the years about through His people. So the ministry of prophecy is highly valuable. And then lastly, God's Spirit helps us to actually understand Scripture. Um, John 14, Jesus said, The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. So God's Word, I need God's Word to grow, but I can't grow without God's Spirit because God's Spirit helps me to understand God's Word. Follow? They go together in tandem. I know some people struggle with God's Word, struggle with understanding it. Can I just give you a simple little thing to try? And that's this. Tomorrow or today, later on, when you, next time you sit down to read the Bible... First of all, I would encourage you, you know, don't do the stop and flop method. I mean, it's it's nice once in a while, but I mean, I know people like, oh, I just, and that's what I'm going to read today. I mean, that's like saying, you know, I don't know what I'm going to eat today. I'll just eat anything I find on the street, you know, I'll be a spirit. So spiritually speaking, you're like a crow. Yeah, I'll just pick anything that happens to fly in my mouth. That's what I'll grab. No. Well, let's, let's, take this, let's take this systematically, right? Get a plan. Get a plan for reading his word and making it a part of your life. That's the first step. Second thing, then, is when you go to read a scripture, would you just pause and pray and say, Holy Spirit, you wrote this. Would you help me to understand it? That's it. Simple prayer. But just before you go to open it, Sit, take a second. Take a sip of coffee or tea or whatever it is. You know, you got to, I know, I I think Jesus is a coffee drinker, just personally. I find that I get a lot more out of it when I add a cup of coffee. But anyway, so, you know, take a nice cup of coffee, good, strong French roast. Holy Spirit, help me to understand this. You wrote it. This is your word. Help me to understand what you meant. I pray, teach me, Spirit of God, and give me the courage to live it out in my life today. Simple prayer. I find God answers that prayer. So we need God's Word, you need God's Spirit, but then also we need God's people. And so we encourage people through people. And the question is, what kind of people are we? What kind of people are we as a church? And there's a couple of things. First of all, we're a covenant people. New River Church is. We believe, actually, in uh, community so much that we make a promise to stick together every year. The last Sunday of every January is what we call Covenant Sunday, and this is just something we do. I, I, other churches do different things, but just we, every, the last Sunday of January, every year, we have what we call Covenant Sunday, where we commit to one another for another year, to love Jesus and to serve Jesus together for that year. And we do that because we happen to believe that God actually takes our commitment seriously, that he's a committed kind of God, that he commits himself to us. And he loves it when we commit ourselves to him, but he also loves it when we commit ourselves to one another. And, we, and we are, we're going to lock arms for another year, and we're going to love him, and we're going to serve him together for that year. And so we sign this covenant, and you have it printed for you there. If you're new, you can read it. If you're... Uh, you've been around a while, you've seen this before, but our New River Fellowship Covenant, this is what we sign, this document, every year together on Covenant Sunday. So we're a covenant people, committed to community, committed to sticking together, because Christianity is a team sport, and we're better together than we are apart, right? Amen? It's a good thing it's not all resting on me, because, boy, I got a lot to learn. The second thing that we are as a people is we're a people in the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And you say, what is that? We are part of a denomination, our churches. We're not an independent church. We're a part of a denomination called the Christian and Missionary Alliance, which happens to be a wonderful organization, I believe. The Christian Missionary Alliance was founded over 100 years ago by a guy named Albert Benjamin Simpson. Um, A.B. Simpson is sort of his common He's known as A.B. Simpson. If you want to learn about A.B. Simpson, I would encourage you to Google it, read. You can probably uh, find a lot of the books that he wrote online. I bet they're public domain at this point. Just Google it. You'll probably find the PDF, right, of a a number of his books. Let me tell you, the guy's an incredible writer. You want stuff that will rock your world and challenge your thinking? Read some of the stuff that A.B. Simpson wrote A hundred plus years ago. Incredible. Incredible. Now granted, you know, he wrote a hundred years ago, so he's not writing it's a whole different style, you know. It's not Nicholas Sparks, I can tell you that right up front, right? But it'll stretch your mind and stretch your heart. There's two things about the Christian missionary alliance that are distinct that you need to know. One of them is the fourfold gospel. We um believe that Jesus Christ is savior, sanctifier, healer, coming king, the fourfold gospel, that, that Jesus is what it's all about, that everything you and I enjoy is because of what Jesus has done. He purchased it for us on the cross, that Jesus Christ is our savior, he's our sanctifier, he's the one that makes us holy, he's our healer, and he's coming again. He's our coming king, that's the one. And actually, if you want a great book, A.B. Simpson wrote a book called The Fourfold Gospel, a little book about 70 pages thick. It'll rock your world. I'll tell you what, you want a good reading. It's a, it's a good read. And then the second distinctive that we have as a denomination is this. We're committed to missions. We were actually founded as a missionary group. We weren't, we weren't going to be a denomination. A.B. Simpson founded us as a, really as a missionary training organization. To, we trained missionaries from different churches and then sent them around the world. And do you know that in the early days, our first missionaries packed all of their belongings into a casket? As they, loaded, they got on ships, of course it was before airplanes were invented, got on ships and went around the world to share the gospel. They knew they weren't coming home. You know what I mean? Like, that's some commitment right there, you know? It wasn't about a 401k. They were like, yeah, my 401k is right there. It's in that box, and I'll be buried in that wherever it is that the Lord plants my feet. I mean, amazing men and women of God who were committed to sharing the good news of Jesus that much around the world. And so what we do as a denomination is we pay for our missionaries. We fund them. They don't have to raise their own money. We're one of the only groups that do that. And so in a couple of weeks, when this missionary comes here, he's not coming to raise money. That's not why he's coming. His, his salary is already covered by this Great Commission Fund, and that's funded by alliance churches like ours all around the country. We give to that fund, and out of that fund, we support over 800 missionaries, 54 different countries around the world. It's pretty awesome. And so if you want to give to it, actually, right on our offering envelope, if you ever, if you take a look at the offering envelope, there's a line right on it that says, Great Commission Fund. Every dollar that you put in there gets sent to that fund to support these missionaries. So that's part of who we are. We're a church. And you know what? I love that because we follow in a great heritage. A.B. Simpson, I mean, man, oh, man. There are more groups... Uh, there, there are Pentecostal church. Many Pentecostal groups um, hail to him. The four, the four, uh, the four square church started by Amy Semple McPherson, hundred years or so ago, hail from him. I mean, a. a lot of people consider A. B. Simpson kind of the father of their movement, if you will. And you and I get to just be a part of that great tradition. I think. So that's the second thing. We're a people part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. The third thing is we're a people who are committed to being together in life groups. So life stands for the four things that a life group does. We love Jesus through worship and prayer, instruction in God's word. We fellowship and we do evangelism by reaching our friends that don't know Jesus. It's a life group. That's the four things that it does. pretty simple. It's just a small group that gets together every week. In somebody's house or some groups meet here and we're just the express purpose of those groups is to make disciples to help people grow in your faith in your relationship with Jesus Christ because we believe this you grow best in the context of a relationship you don't grow in a class right now you're not growing this is not growing you right here this is informing you that's what this is you're filling in your blanks that's wonderful but this is not growing you does it make sense you do grow however when you get in relationship with other people and you begin to learn oh okay so that's what a godly marriage looks like or doesn't look like you know that's what a godly parent does or doesn't do that's that's what it means to be a man or woman of integrity at work hmm right you you as you rub off on one another that's where the growing happens so How does a life group do evangelism? Side door and front door. Front door and side door evangelism. Front door is this. On a Sunday morning, if you're part of a life group and you see somebody that you don't know, invite them to your life group. Front door evangelism. That's called easy pickings, man. They're already here, right? Invite them to your group. Say, hey, my group's meeting Tuesday night. Why don't you come? Invite them. Front door evangelism. Side door evangelism is your group says hey, let's do a barbecue together and invite our friends so we can get to know them better and they can get to know us better. Let's go serve in the park, do this thing, or we're serving in the community together as a group. Follow? Side door evangelism. So that's a life group. And speaking of starting other churches, we happen to believe that not only does your group multiply, but this church needs to multiply. Friends, um, We've started four churches in the last 20 years. And two of them are still going. This one and Crossroads Church in Vernon. Two other churches have since closed. We gave them a great shot. Did our best effort. But that doesn't mean that we're done. Let's plan to start more. Let's see this church continue to multiply and to expand around the region. That's our desire. And then lastly... We're a people committed to making disciples. So that's the kind of people we are. Um, what is a disciple? Let's talk about it for a minute. You know, a couple weeks ago when we signed our covenant, our fellowship covenant, we, uh, I gave you this challenge that by this time next year, each one of us would be involved in a discipling relationship. That's the, that's the plan. That's the goal. That every single one of us this time next year would say, yeah. I got one of those. I'm doing that. Every week, me and so-and-so, we're meeting. Coffee, Bible, the two of us and Jesus, every single week. That every one of us would be in that kind of relationship, right? So what does that mean? Well, you need to understand something. A disciple is just a normal Christian. Like, that's not just some super Christian. You know that when Christians, when we when the first followers of Jesus were called disciples, and that the term Christian came around later. You know that? Acts tells us that the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So we were disciples before we were Christians. that makes sense? And a disciple, so my point is a disciple is not some like super duper Christian really on fire. A disciple is just a normal follower of Jesus Christ. A disciple is someone who speaks hangs out with Jesus who follows Jesus obeys Jesus who overflows with the life of Jesus that's what a disciple does and there's a pathway of growth that that we found that people that Jesus is taking us the question is where is Jesus taking me what's what's he got in mind for me the bible gives us six word pictures that that depict a growing relationship with Jesus Christ And so the first one is potter and clay. Clay is, you know, a potter and the clay have a relationship, true? It's just not a very close relationship. But it's a relationship. In this phase of our relationship with God, we learn our purpose. That's what we learn. I discover he is the potter, I am the clay. He is the creator, I am the created He's the one in charge. I'm not. This is his show, not my show, right? He has made me for his purposes. And guess what? Our purpose is, friends, it is to worship God. It is to give glory to God. You are never more at home, and you are never more complete as a person than when you are at the feet of the God of the universe, worshiping him and giving him the praise and the honor that is due his name. That, my friend, is why God made you. That regardless of what it is that you do, you say, well, yeah, but I was made with this talent. I was made with that talent. Yes, but your talent is with the express purpose of worshiping the one who created you with that talent. Does that make sense? So your goal, your purpose as a person, the whole reason why you're here, my friend, is to worship God, and to bring glory to the one who created you. But we all have to start there. Mm-hmm. Frankly, not everybody's thrilled with that, because we, uh, we kind of live again in a culture that says you can be anything you want to be. Forget what God says, just do whatever you want to do. Yeah, but no, it doesn't work that way. He's God, I'm not. And the sooner I find out His purpose for my life, the better off I'll be. I'm actually... Um, I'm actually discipling a guy right now. In fact, who uh, is at this stage? Um, he's not even saved yet, because he, cause he's not. He, he, he struggles with this. He wants to do his own thing, and yet, And so he and I were hanging out. We talk, and we kind of, you know, we're not at this point. They're not real deep Bible studies. It's, um, dude you ain't God. I mean, how's that for a Bible study, right? It's pretty in your face. But every, every, almost every time I see this guy, I bet it's at least once a week, he and I are working out at the gym together. We have these conversations, and I nail him on it. I remind him, you ain't God, buddy, you know? And someday that's going to click. I know it's going to click in his brain, and he's going to begin to warm up. And uh, I can't wait. So potter and clay, we start there. And then from there we lead to be shepherd and sheep. That's the next level of relationship, isn't it? So again, a shepherd and a sheep don't have much of a relationship, but it's more than a potter and clay, if you think about it. And what we learn as sheep is this. We learn how, we learn his voice. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. This is so important in our walk with Jesus, isn't it? Do you know what the voice of Jesus sounds like? Have you ever heard his voice? Do you have communication with Jesus? Because you know he wants that with you, right? You can't have much of a relationship if you can't talk. Is that true? Do you know that Jesus wants to talk with you? He wants that kind of relationship with you and me. And so we enter into this phase of our relationship, shepherd and sheep, where we've got to learn his voice. And, you know, I know some people that hear it wrong, right? I mean, you've heard it. There's confusion with this. I mean, one guy will say, yeah, God told me to do this, and it's, you know, a crime. Right? You know, yeah, I don't think God told you to do that, right? So how do I know I mean, some people come up with some crazy things because God told them to do it. I'm like, well, let me just tell you this right off the bat. God's not going to tell you to contradict his word. I can tell you that. Remember, we go back to square one, the absolute authority of Scripture, right? Absolute. So I can tell you that right off the bat. He's not going to tell you to contradict his word. So I'm 100% certain he's not going to tell you to commit a crime. I am pretty sure of that. So anyway, shepherd and sheep... But then we don't stay there. Master and servant is the next one. You know, it's one thing to know his voice. It's another thing to obey it. And as his servant, I learn to obey his voice. You know, God says it, and I do it. I like this question that Jesus asked in Luke six forty-six. He asked a group of people. He said, why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? It's a good question, isn't it? Oh yeah, I guess I shouldn't call you Lord then if I'm not going to do what you say. So I need to learn that when he speaks, I obey. There is, you know, submission is a part of my relationship with Jesus. But do you see the progression? I'm clay, I learn my purpose. Sheep, I learn his voice. Servant, I begin to obey his voice. But you know what I love One of my favorite Bible verses is in John chapter 15. Jesus said this. You know, I don't call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends because everything the Father has told me, I've told you. I love that. So Jesus does not want you to stay as a servant. He's not interested in you doing his dishes for all of eternity. That ain't what Jesus is into. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to be friends And so the fourth phase is friend and friend. He's our friend. And as his friend, I enjoy his presence. That's what I learn in this phase. Can I ask you something? Do you enjoy the presence of God? You know, you got like three hours alone, nobody bugging you. Do you look forward to that time and say, oh, man, that's going to be so good, God. I can't wait to get the worship music out. Pull out my Bible and I'm going to spend some time with. It's going to be so good. I just enjoy his presence, you know. I I want his presence. You ever yearn for it? You ever? I mean, sometimes I'll find myself just saying, "God, we got to get away. (laughs) We just got to get away, God. We got to get." I've gone up to Hume where the men's retreat, the guys have their retreats. I've escaped to Hume just for the day, just to spend the day with the Lord. Because the Lord's like, we got to get out of here. Just, You ever say, what a sunny day. Let's, let's take a walk, Jesus. Let's go. Let's, let's pray. Let's talk. I'll sing. Out in the woods where nobody can hear me. We'll sing, you know. Enjoying his presence. That's what friends do, don't they? Jesus is wanting to take you there. But he doesn't want to leave you there because there's more. The next phase is brother and sibling. Jesus wants to be your older brother. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, the one who makes men holy, that's Jesus. Those who are made holy, that's us, are of the same family. Therefore, Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. Jesus is proud to call you his kid brother, his kid sister. And as his siblings, friends, we discover partnership because we engage in the family business. The family business is expanding the kingdom of God. Our father has a kingdom, right? And he's given it to us. And we partner with Jesus in expanding his kingdom. You follow that? So as his siblings, that's what we get to do. We partner with Jesus. So it's, now it's not just about serving him. You see where this is going? Like it starts off as I'm just clay doing whatever he tells me to do. And then I'm a servant. You know, he commands it, and I jump, right? Goes to, now we're partners. Jesus and I are partnering together to expand the family business around the globe, the kingdom of God. Follow? It's such exciting stuff. And then the last, the last word picture the Bible gives us is husband and bride. Jesus is the husband, and the church is his bride and what we learn here is we learn how to make covenant i'm convinced that jesus wants to take us to the place friends where job was at do you know the do you remember job the guy in the bible that you know had all of his trials right i mean talk about a bad day that guy had one really bad day and there he sits on the ash heap that used to be his home and uh, he's scraping his sores with the pot sherds, right? And Job says this, Yet though he slay me, I will trust him. You hear that? Even though he slay me, even though God takes a knife to my chest, slay me, I'm going to trust him all the way. That's a bride. That's someone who's made covenant with God. That's somebody that says, God, I'm here not just for the goodies. I'm here not just when it's nice, when everything's pretty. God, I'm in it. I'm in it all the way. Good and bad, for richer, for poorer, sickness and health. I'm in it all the way, God. I'm not turning back. Right? That's where Jesus wants us to go. That's where he's taken us. Do you understand he's made that commitment to you? Do you understand that? That that, that his half of the commitment has already been made, friends. He's simply waiting for you to make your half. And then the two become one. Mm. Um... A covenant, you know, it stands the test of time. And it's the place that all of us need to get to. It's where Jesus has taken us. So, that right there might even explain sometimes why you have such pain in your life. Perhaps God is wanting to show you the strength of your covenant with Him. Are you going to be in this? even when things aren't going smooth. Right? I wonder. I'm sure that it's much more complicated than that, but at least that's got to be a piece of it. So how do I make a disciple? How? How do we do it? Just really simple, and I'll do this. We're almost done. I know, that I know your stomachs are growling because you can smell the soup. So number one, pray. Ask God to give you a disciple. That That simple. I have seen Jesus answer this prayer. In fact, I pray this prayer. Lord, I'm ready for another one. Give me another disciple, God. Because I find that it's not always like a lifetime. You know, you're, you're with somebody, and then they move, or this happens, or that happens, and you're like, God, I, I want another one. Grant me another one, Lord. Pray. Ask him to give you someone whom you can invest your life into and share Jesus with. And then you begin to look around you. It's really simple. Who's asking you questions about God? That's your disciple. I mean, think about it. It's so simple. That's the person who is actually wanting to learn from you. They want to receive what you have. It's the person asking you questions about God. So look around you. Like I said, my friend is uh, my friend who, I, who was not even clay yet, really, you know, But he keeps asking me questions. So we keep talking about it. So I figure the day's going to come where he's going to give his heart to Jesus. So look around you. Third is this. Well, let me just make this point. You don't have to be a Christian. Discipleship is the whole process of becoming more like Jesus. Follow? It's the whole process. And so sometimes people... Part of discipleship is before a person asks Jesus to be their Savior. Does that make sense? You see that? Like, there's a whole process here. And God is at work in a person's life, not just the day that they get saved, right? I mean, he's at work for years before that sometimes. And so discipleship, we have to think of it as the whole process of becoming more like Jesus. So third, make disciple-making part of your normal life normal you don't have to do anything extra man my friend and I still we still get a great workout in at the gym we're we're having our conversations about God between sets you know it's what you do it's just normal I'd be there anyway so look in your own daily routine who's there it's not out of your regular routine sometimes we mystify this thing we make it all we boy we complicate it it's so easy Fourth, begin meeting with that person regularly with the intention of sharing your walk with Jesus. Friends, intentionality is huge. It's huge. Intentionality. In other words, walk into that setting looking for the opportunity. Right? So I'm intentional about it. Get together with them. Third, fifth, Go through a book of the Bible together. Go through a Bible study together. Um, but do it together, you know? So part of my job, I believe, as your pastor, part of my job is to supply you with what you need to do your job. Does that make sense? So look it. You want to know what to do? Do you need a Bible study book? you need some materials Because you're meeting with somebody every Thursday for coffee and you don't know what to do or what. Could you give me a call, please? Because that's my job, to help you, supply you, and equip you for your job in making disciples. Cool? So you're not bugging me. Please, you are not bugging me. If you call me and say, I'm meeting with Sally every Thursday and we don't know what to do, please let me know. I'd love to help you and support you in that. Follow? Okay. So that's that's that. And then lastly, how do people, remember four ways we get encouraged, four ways we build up people, God's word, God's spirit, God's people, and then last, a God-sized vision. Um, The truth is this, you're way cooler than you think you are. And we need to become, we want to become everything that Jesus died to make us. I don't want a single drop of Jesus' blood to go to waste in my life. I want Jesus to get everything he paid for in my life. I uh, I, I I illustrate it like this. Jesus died on a cross. It's like a gift card. He he gave you a gift card. right? Like, and it's obviously it's more than this, but let's say I gave you a hundred dollar gift card to Walmart if you only used a dollar of it and then threw the rest out, wouldn't that be a waste? You've wasted 99 bucks. You haven't even come close to using the full measure of the gift that I gave to you, right? How much, friends, of Jesus' blood gets left on the table in your life? Jesus dialing the cross to open up heaven for you, to open up God to you, he died on the cross to share his inheritance with you, okay? Let's not allow a single drop of his blood to go to waste in our lives. Let's utilize every bit of it that Jesus died to give to us. And then we're under Christ's command to disciple entire nations. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just thought it was coffee once a week with Fred. Yeah, no. Read the Great Commission. Matthew 28, therefore, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. You kidding me? He's asking you to disciple an entire nation? Absolutely. Psalms chapter 2, God says, ask of me and I will give you the nations. I will give the nations as an inheritance. Are you claiming any nations? God, give me Kenya, I'll take it. Give me Nicaragua, God. I'll take it. I'm claiming it. That's, I'm going to disciple that entire nation. What, what, God, how would you use me to disciple that entire nation? God, grant us the United States of America. You've placed us here. We're claiming it. We're going to make disciples of this nation. You follow? That's what Jesus sees in you. Like I said, you're way cooler than you thought you were. We believe also that we share an inheritance with Jesus. So we get to learn how to spend it together. You know that Romans chapter 8 says that you are a co-heir with Jesus, that he shares his inheritance with you? Wow. I don't even think we could ever begin to fully understand how much that inheritance is. But we can try. We can get going with it, right? And then last... We can be stepping stones for each other. Stepping stones is one of our key words as a church because um, we believe that it represents the heart of Jesus. Jesus said, if you've got faith in me, you'll, be do, you'll do greater things than I did. That's, that's the heart of a stepping stone. The, a stepping stone says, here, you can use me to get where God is taking you. That's a stepping stone. Let me... I mean, you you take my shoulders, you use my shoulders, and I'll get you. You know, I'll help you get there. And so, as we serve as stepping stones for one another, boy, we can accomplish great things for Christ, can't we? Far better than if we were just doing it on our own. So that's how we endeavor to encourage people as a church. So practical steps, and worship team, you can come on up, that'd be great. Practical step is this, get in a life group, if you're not in one, you say, well, I asked and there's no, then lead one. The the uh, the. Some of us, let me just say this, some of us have been in life groups for years and you've been right there and you've not led, and now you're not in one at all. Time for you to lead. We can only go as I mean we 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 can't sit in the ranks forever. You have to get on the playing field. You have to. And in fact, it's what you need in order to grow. And that's the only that's why I'm being so strong on it. You want to take the next ground, the next level in your walk with Jesus you've got to begin to give it out take a step lead a group take a few people begin to take responsibility for that group of people invest in them and then you will begin to grow you'll see you will grow guarantee it and then the basics three is next week so i hope you can come back next week and who are you going to disciple Lord Jesus, would you please give each one of us someone to disciple? God, I know it. You've intended for our lives to rub off on other people. You meant that. That's that's how you created us. You called us salt, Jesus. (laughs) You called us light. We can't help but influence others. So, Lord, it's our desire to intentionally influence others for you. I pray that in Jesus' name. Lord I pray for my friends today I do pray that God uh, we would be everything that you died for us to be Jesus nothing less nothing more thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you I thank you for my friends here Lord I love these people such a privilege to be able to serve you with them and love you with them. I thank you, God, for what you've done here. You've put together, you are putting together an amazing, an amazing team in New River Church. That God, you would use us mightily in this region and around the world. So I thank you for these people. Pray a blessing on them today. Would you stand and sing with me as we uh, close? And we're going to open up our altar here. This is an important time because I don't know what's on your heart. If there's something you want to pray about, something you something you're concerned about, or you know what? Hey, it could even be something you're glad about. You know? Come on up. Let's we can share that together too here at the altar and thank God for it. Right? So. The altar open and our prayer team would love to be here to pray together with you as we close our time.